Hello, everyone. Welcome to my channel, A Mindful Career. This is Daniel. I have been running a career coaching business in Singapore, Hong Kong, and mainland China for the past six years. In this channel, I talk about career development skills and also interview other career coaches, HR, working professionals from different industries. You will also get the first-hand information about talent acquisition and human capital development from other business leaders. Thanks for listening, and let's begin our show. Thank you so much, Mike, for joining us for this new episode.、Uh, in this episode, we want to talk about、uh, career coaching versus athletic coaching, right? So you have both experience,、uh, both experiences,、uh, but maybe you don't.、Uh, maybe, why not you just、uh, introduce yourself first, and、uh, and we can go into this episode? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Daniel, for having me. It's really a pleasure to have this conversation.、Uh, so my background is originally in athletic coaching, as you hinted at. I've been an athletic coach in the sport, mainly of football. Also,、uh, some side sports like basketball, rugby,、um, but I've been in the sporting world since I was in my mid-teenage years, and building myself as a coach in that. And over the course of that time,、uh, have worked with over about a thousand athletes so far. I mean, loosely defined, it could probably be a bit higher than that number, but definitely, I've been in front of many hundreds of young people, a lot of whom were between somewhere between. Sort of as young as ten, as old as twenty six, twenty seven. So it really runs the gamut.、Um, and so I've been in front of people who are really driven by competitive situations and want to aspire. They aspire to something, just in the same way that people who are building their careers they're aspiring to something and they want to be able to go in a direction that's desirable for them, but also might have some obstacles along the way. And so it's. My life as an athletic coach、um, has been a lot of fun. It's no longer really my focus.、Uh, about five, four, five years ago, I decided that I wanted to build a slightly different coaching lifestyle, and I decided to go in the direction of professional coaching, and then further on to career coaching, where I am now. And it's still, I still enjoy working with the same kind of people,、mm-hmm. kind of young adults in this case,、uh, working to transition from school into the working world, and that's really my jam. So that hasn't changed. But for sure, the the tools and the mechanisms of coaching are a little bit different in the two contexts. Right. So、uh, you can also share with our audience a little bit in terms of the the focus on career coaching you are doing right now. I know、uh, it's still very much focused on on new graduates, right, and young professionals, right. So maybe you can share a little bit with with us on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I try and kind of be as much of a one stop shop for new grads who are coming out of school. A lot of the time. Um, I remember my own experience coming out of school. I really had no idea what I was doing, and just sort of a basic education on how do you enter the workforce、um, would have been very helpful when I was their age. And that's one of the big things that I aspire to deliver. So whether it's starting from sort of the career orientation side of coaching, where it's like a client is completely stuck, has no idea where they want to apply themselves. Maybe they've been going through school their entire life, and it's all they know、uh, naturally.、Right. And it's like now, what do I do now that the structure of school has been removed? I have all of this independence, but I don't really know yet what to do with it. And so, trying to create some sort of structure—not, you know, not to box someone in, but to create the kind of support that they're used to having in their life—is really important. Then it kind of goes towards、um, what I call sort of the personal branding side of career coaching. Once you know what you want to do, can you position yourself? As a great candidate for the kinds of roles that interest you,、mm-hmm. that's another thing that lots of young people、right. have never experienced.、Um, oftentimes, because they just don't know themselves well enough, 
and they don't know how they're communicating to others. Um, and then do you, are you able to execute actual job search activities? So are you able to meet people, network? Are you able to get into the hidden market and not just rely on online job boards uh, to get yourself out there? You and I both know that uh, that can sometimes be very frustrating if that's your only approach. Um, and finally, getting into the later stages where it's all around interview preparation, uh, sometimes negotiation. And so that's kind of the full scale, um, mm -hmm. but I just try and apply as much of that to the world of new grads as I can. I see, I see. And we will do a bit of comparison of uh, career coaching and athletic coaching later. Uh, but I want to zoom in on athletic coaching a little bit because personally, I'm intrigued by this topic. That I, I know uh, a lot of athletes, they have a professional coach, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, even though I know that uh, that's that's a fact, but personally, I have never uh, experienced that or interacted with with a professional coach. Um, and uh, you, you were talking about uh, football, right? So it's mm -hmm. American football, right? So it's yes. Not, okay, okay. Good, good clarification there. <laughs> cool. Uh, so uh, for you know people at different stage of their lives, right? So so if we work with uh, a kid, a teenager, versus you work with uh, maybe. Um, you know, a young adult, right? I think mm -hmm. the, the kind of uh, style will be quite different, right? So uh, there are kind of common themes you find when you when you do like as like a coaching something that is you know very consistent, you know, tools or assessments or you you, you just adopt along the way. Uh, so so you know, for people who don't have very much experience in athletic coaching, they, they kind of get the gist of it, right? Okay, that's yeah. the kind of essential element of um, you know giving people guidance or giving you know access guidance or helping people uh, in that particular area yeah yeah i would say that probably the one thing that um, carries through regardless of the age category regardless of the person you're working with is as a coach can you really in an athletic context get to know the person and it's true okay. in career coaching as well but i'll try and keep right. it focused around the athletic coaching side of okay. things first can you get a sense of what their skills are, their strengths and weaknesses? Uh, where do they need to go? What are, what's their potential if they continue to go down the road that they're on right now? Are they better suited going down another road? And can you mm -hmm. show them what that looks like? Um, so really getting to know, I'll stay in the sort of the mindset of a football coach. Do I know what my receivers are capable of? Are there certain things that I need to teach and drill them on so that they mm -hmm. become more complete athletes? Uh, Certainly, and I think this is true in both career and athletic coaching, is the idea of once you know what your strengths are, can you leverage those as much as you possibly can, as opposed to just always trying to fix your weaknesses, quote unquote, mm -hmm. um, right. just because I think there's a certain limit to how much of a return on investment of time and energy comes from doing that. So that's it. That's really about like, can we get to know the people we're working with and mm -hmm. to the mm -hmm. point where they trust us? Uh, because having someone is an athlete, uh, having someone who is looking over your shoulder all of the time and what you're doing can be a little bit stressful if you don't believe in that person right. and having that sort of one-on-one -on -one relationship gives you the ability to have, um, some command as a coach in group situations where mm -hmm. you're being asked to lead in a very direct way, but then can also be important when you enter those more one-on-one -on -one coaching situations and those are also just as important when you're developing people. Right, right. You, you talk a little bit on um, uh, return on investments, right? So, mm -hmm. so let's let's touch on that. Um, so, I think from an individual point of view, um, they spend a lot of time on uh, uh, sports or some techniques, right? Um, so, of course, everybody wants to see the results, right? See the improvement of the performance. 
Um, so, so, but it's not always the case, right? So I think in a very competitive world, um, and especially I think in the team context, sometimes it's not always about the individual performance as well, right? So um, how do you uh, maybe encourage the individuals, right? To, to um, maybe look at, look at a longer time horizon instead of just focusing on a particular very short-term goals, which I think is yeah. very important, uh, you know, in athletic coaching, um, you talk about the, the, the kind of personal interactions. I totally agree with you. Um, the, the trust, everything is there, right? So, so how um, maybe you can use like some exa examples if you have, right? So, so looking at really the long term um, to, to help to help an individual. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So Malcolm Gladwell kind of popularized this idea of the ten thousand hour rule, or maybe for some people it's ten thousand repetitions, it's ten thousand practices, whatever. Um, but there is this element of there being a journey towards mastery. And that's a word I love to use in coaching. It's the idea of approaching mastery. It's often something we don't really land on. Uh, certainly, like you said, not right away. Right. But the journey of being on the road to being as as good as possible, right? Best in the world, if we can mm -hmm. be at something, sure. means oftentimes doing simple things that aren't too complicated over and over again and getting better and better uh, than anyone else at through right. time. So I think that's an important mindset that I definitely try and teach anyone I'm working with. And that can apply certainly in athletics. So you might do a certain drill, right? Like a, a center who has to snap the football to the quarterback. They're getting thousands and thousands of snaps in every season that they play. And along the way, it becomes just sort of a natural instinct. Their body becomes wired for that kind of a movement. Mm -hmm. And that's that's part of becoming a masterful center at, at that position. So in the, in the coaching world, in the career coaching world, it could be, are you writing enough personalized invites to people? Are you mm. figuring out a way of direct outreach that is mm. true for you and your personality and is also landing with people in a well-received and authentic way? And oftentimes the first time you try and put yourself out in the world, it, it doesn't work. Right. Um, and that's very, very normal. So you have to keep going along that path of whatever 10,000 hours or 10,000 times, 10,000 messages looks like. That's a super important part of this journey. I see. So uh, in a way, it is a number game, right? So you, I think you have to accumulate certain number of hours, right, in this context in, in order to uh, have the kind of mastery of certain skills. Um, but on the other hand, I think there is a bit of a quality involved as well, right? So so it's not always about about the numbers. Uh, uh, so so let's uh, do a comparison of athletic coaching and uh, uh, career coaching. I, we, we did touch on that a little bit. Uh, so um, if I'm going to ask you to maybe list like a, the most uh, um, maybe just one factor you feel that's kind of very uh, you can see that in athletic coaching and career coaching uh, what what is that that kind of similarity yeah um, I think it's probably two people working toward a common goal and the way that it's done is a little bit different I'll actually I'll give you three things that I think okay. are similar in, in all aspects of coaching I don't think it's just true for career coaching and athletic coaching I think it could be true in executive coaching, life coaching, et cetera. But the idea here is that the coach plays three really important roles. One is that they check the blind spots of the person they're working with, the athlete, the client, the student, seeing the things that they don't see mm -hmm. because we all have things in our lives that we cannot see. It's, it's natural. We don't have a three-dimensional um, third party that watches us normally in our day-to-day -day lives. No one's following us with a mirror. 
So checking the blind spots is one thing. Uh, the next thing is paving the way. So paving the way could look like uh, taking someone who you know, wants to pursue a certain job or wants to become the starter at a certain position and showing them a pathway that they can take to get there. Paving the way doesn't necessarily mean that you're always holding the hands of the person mm -hmm. along the way, but it's realizing or making the, the client or the student realize that if you want to get from point A to point B, there's a bunch of different ways that you can get there. But here's what I think is the best way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And let's start to embark on that. Here's okay. some of the obstacles that you might uh, encounter. But that's that's a big part of giving direction to someone in coaching. And then the other part is creating accountability. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you've, mm -hmm. you've paved the road. You've paved the road. You got to drive down it now. <laughs> yeah. And the client or the, the student or the athlete, in all of those cases, right, there are going to be moments where there's resistance and there are days that you just want to take off and kind of call it quits. And the coach is there to sometimes strongly pull them back up and pull them through. Sometimes it's about pushing them if they feel like there's maybe just a lack of confidence. They don't feel like they can actually go the distance. And now it's more of an encouraging, supportive approach that you take to creating accountability. But that's the other big part of it. Coaches are there to help you do the things that you couldn't have done on your own. That's right. a big part. Right, right, right. And have you, um, you know, faced some challenges in terms of, uh, you know, getting that uh, accountabilities uh, to a particular individual? You can you can put into the career coaching context or as like a coaching context. Either one is fine. But I, I do feel, um, you know, personally, I feel that's very challenging because uh, mm -hmm. you may be able to tell the other person or show the other person, you know, the way ahead. But maybe that person also understands that, right? So all you said have it's, it's all correct, right? But how do you, uh, as a coach, actually, you know, you know, to to observe that kind of accountability from the client or individuals you are working with? Um, yeah. Any challenges or any good effective ways to to actually you know push this forward? Yeah, yeah. Most challenges with accountability stem from there being a lack of relationship with the the client or the student or the athlete. And if they don't believe that you are looking out for their best interests as a coach, mm -hmm. if for some reason there's a little bit of hesitation on their end, it becomes almost like you're not really in their corner in the same way. It's like they feel like they're on their own again. Right. And that's where things slide. So coaches have to continue to work to show that they are present. They're in the corner of whomever they're working with. And um, I think it's Jocko Willink who kind of came out with this really great line around like the idea of motivation or motivating someone like the root word of that is, is motive. And if, can you, can you uncover and just sort of dive into tap into what the motive of the person is with a really elite athlete going mm -hmm. and playing professional sports is a very strong motive that will motive that will move someone to do all kinds of things that the average person who isn't in, involved in high level sports would ever dream about doing, right? We're talking about, we're talking about having no social life. We're talking about having super structured diets and working out right. a million mm -hmm. times a week, et cetera. Um, if, if that isn't there, like if that big kind of picture idea in the head of whomever you're working with and in your career coaching context, right? It's about, you know, is there a dream role? Is there, somewhere mm -hmm. that you really want to be in your professional life, if, if that's not there, then you have to kind of clarify, help clarify for that person what it is. Um, because I don't really know if your ability to create progress can exceed 
the sort of the scale of the motive that you have in your life. So mm -hmm. your, your vision for yourself, if you want to move somewhere, there has to be a really big place to go to. And if it's a small place, that's okay, but it's going to create a little bit of a, a less intense path. Let's just say. Got it. So, so, so from a relationship point, I do understand, you know, that there are certain building blocks to have that kind of trust, kind mm -hmm. of, uh, the, the push of the accountabilities. And also you talk about the mo motivations, right? So I think, uh, coming from the individual point of view or client point of view, um, really that's, that's quite important to, uh, to, to get things moved. Right. So, um, and I, and I, we, we can touch this. Uh, I want to ask your views on, uh, selecting a coach, right? So, so this mm. is also quite, quite fun and interesting, you know, in a athletic world, I know a lot of, for example, tennis coach, right? So there are a lot of top players, they change coach all the time, yeah. <laughs> but for some, they stick to one, right? So, so, and I, I do understand there are certain, uh, styles, right? Different coaches have different styles. I think in career coaching context, it's the same as well from mm. a individual point of view, right? So let's say I'm going to choose a coach. Do you have some advice in terms of, you know, how, 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 what was these, the way, best way to, to, to go about that? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, here's maybe definitely where you would see a little bit of a difference in terms of picking an athletic coach or versus picking a career coach. A lot of the time an athlete doesn't get the, the chance. If they're a professional tennis player, that is one thing. But <laughs> if you've, if you signed up and you've joined a large team, oftentimes you don't get to pick who's coaching that team. Um, but if you are in a position where you're picking a coach, you're an individual athlete or you're building your career and you're trying to hire a career coach. So I really believe that the energy that you feel around that person is incredibly important. And that is a difficult thing to quantify. Energy mm -hmm. is something that we experience. It's, right. it shows up in our body language. It shows up in how we speak. It shows up in, do we look a person in the eye or not? Or there's, there's so many nuances to communication and obviously in different cultures, we all communicate in, in some different ways, right. but however you want to be engaged with as a client, right? That's what you have to go out and find in your mm. coach, right? I have a business coach that I work with and I, for a couple of years really got to know what his style and his energy was like before one day I, I picked up the phone and I said, you know, you don't have to convince me. I want to hire you. And sure. I mean, he still ran me through his sales process anyway, and it was great, but I knew the person already and I felt like I could trust that he would understand me, right? So when you're selecting a coach, that's super important. Will they get where I am at right now and where I want to go? Um, will they communicate and be reliable in a way that I value and that I require? And I mean, certainly here's the thing. I mean, um, when selecting a coach, a lot of the time from like a, an investment standpoint, people get a lot of, they get very scared around, oh my goodness, like, what do you mean it costs thousands of dollars to work with you or something? And at the end of the day, it's around, do you feel like there is the value in working with that person that is that justifies the price that they're calling for? And, and great coaches typically do charge quite a bit because they develop, they deliver great returns on that investment. Right, right, so, so again, it's our uh, return on investments, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. I also view, uh, you, you do need to work with a particular coach for a bit of time, right? Before yep. you can actually see any impact that kind of echoes what we talked about earlier about uh, athletic coaching as well, right? So uh, besides the, the energy, right? So I think, uh, you know, I think it's a bit different or kind of the control of having a coach in an athletic setting or a career setting, uh, any other kind of major difference that you notice uh, in, in these two types of coaching, yeah. Yeah, 
I mean, certainly in athletic coaching, it can be a little bit more of a directive environment. So coach will give an instruction, athlete will do said action, coach will give a certain correction, rinse, lather, repeat, and, and there's development that happens in that sense. And that's not really how things work in the, <laughs> from a professional coaching standpoint, not, right? right. <laughs> in, in the sort of world of professional coaching, whatever the domain is, there is a sort of a co-creation of the agenda. So the client has an idea of what is their biggest challenge or where they might like to go. The coach is there to help clarify that and not necessarily tell them where to go exactly. But when I talk about paving the road, it's like it, it could go a little to the right and then to the left and then straighten out. Okay, how do you feel about that client so that it's not just forcing that agenda down their, down their throat. It's really important that both sides are on the same page as far as where they want to go. It's, it's true in athletic coaching as well, but a lot of the time the, the difference in delivery is just so, so noticeable. Mm -hmm. um, an athlete that really has great faith in the coach will just sort of say, you know what, uh, you tell me what to do and I'll do it and we'll go from there. Um, sometimes there's resistance to that, but in the world of career coaching, that trust translates into a journey that both people are partnered on and they share and the client, if they feel like it's not working, they should be saying something to their coach that says, you know, we got to do something different. I don't know what it is. This isn't working for me. Mm. What's an alternative? Right, What's an alternative? Right. Again, I think it, it, it kind of come back to selecting a coach, right? So mm. when you notice some of the uh, tools or assessments or methods are not really working for you as a client, uh, how would you, uh, you know, decide a time? Okay, it's not, I'm not going to work with you anymore, right? So how yeah. would you say, you know, I'm going to, uh, let's try something else, right? So how, how, how would you suggest people making that kind of decision? Um, yeah, so I'm just curious from that. Experience. Yeah, yeah. I think one way you can make that decision is to imagine where you might be in, let's say, three months, six months, 12 months, whatever you expect your timeline to be on. I think your point earlier on around how you don't see immediate results with any coach pretty much is, is very true. It's very important to understand that coaches come into environments where change is a long-term sustained progression. It is not an, an overnight quick fix. You're not going to the shop and buying something that solves a problem overnight. Right, right. Um, so yes, there's the value in giving that coach some time to have their plan create an effect on you toward your desired result. Right. Um, but if you don't, if you've lost confidence in the idea that you can reach your desired result with that coach, then yeah, you should change. And it's good for both sides at that point, honestly, because if the coach feels, coach probably feels bad, darn, I'm not getting my client any results right now. What's wrong with me? Right. And there can be a discussion around what, what are some of the issues there? But I think it's really important that if you don't see yourself getting to wherever you're trying to go, if you're a team that's trying to win a championship and you, your coach has failed for five seasons in a row to get you to that point, maybe they've gotten you to the semifinals. It's, it means that we need to maybe, maybe we change something, but maybe we have to change the person. Yeah. I have a kind of personal challenge I want to share with Mike and then you, yeah. can, you can kind of give me some advice on that. Uh, when we're working with a lot of uh, clients, especially I think for, uh, for students, right? So, mm -hmm. so I know, uh, 
a lot of them they're very young. Uh, they have very little career experiences in the in the in in, in this new world. Um, and when I think when they work with a coach, sometimes a mentor, uh, they they want to see immediate results, right? So mm -hmm. even though I have shared with them, uh, it's not that I don't want to refer you, you know, to my con network, right? Just I I feel. You probably need to work on these areas until mm -hmm. you get ready, and I, I feel like I'm uncomfortable, uh, you know, to refer you, and also it's kind of lending my personal credit as well, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, so, so I want them to know that, uh, but it's not always very, very well received uh, from the other end, or uh, especially I think for some of the clients they have the kind of expectation that uh, the coach will need to help me. Uh, expand my network, right? So, mm -hmm. so I, I will let mm -hmm. them know it's actually you are in control of your career, right? So, uh, it's not I'm lending my network to to you, right? So, so I think it's just kind of created a lot of confusion if people don't get this right uh, at the beginning. Do you have uh, any ideas, especially I think for for the very you know the group of students uh, clients you work with, right? Primarily mm -hmm. they are students. Do you? face similar kind of situations or how did you how did you work with them uh, or kind of get them right in terms of the expectations yeah, yeah great point i love that you brought this up and what i'm hearing is right there's this desire to sort of offload the responsibility the client is trying to say you know take care of this for me i don't want to do it and i don't really think that that can work in the world of career development it's your career no one can do it for you better than yourself. And right. if you're like, I mean, you could, I don't think there's any other way around that. You just can't put a robot out there that goes to work for you every day. Um, <laughs> but I think the point here is like, you have to find a way as a coach to instill that sense of responsibility. So a, a question that I might ask to a client is, you know, what, what is your expectation as far as the amount of work that you're going to put into this relationship and this mm -hmm. engagement? Because it's not just, you know, I'm not an order taker here. I'm going to be an, I'm going to be an advisor and I'm going to push right. you and we're going to create some movement and definitely get you to where you want to go. Or at the very least, we're going to get you much closer. But what is your job in this? How do you see yourself playing out in this uh, journey that we're going to be on together? Because at the end of the day, yes, it is. That's a huge part of this is that the coach cannot do it for the client we're just a, a catalyst that helps the journey go a lot faster and smoother. Right, right, right. So I feel, you know, if we put this context in the athletic coaching, uh, seldom you will see the athletes, they will tell the coach, you know, the coach definitely is not an <laughs> order taker, right? So so that's just, just a kind of observations I, I noticed. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, last piece I want to talk about uh, the necessity of having a career coach, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think in the, especially when I'm putting this in the Asia context, I, I do understand a lot of people, they understand in the athletic world, right? You need people to to be a coach to guide you through and to talk about, you know, uh, find some blind spots, right? So, so kind of pave the way. I, I totally feel people get that, right? But uh, when we talk about career coaching, especially in my part of the world, I just feel mm -hmm. people not, uh, you know, accept this idea as much as maybe in, in North America, right? So, uh, so, so maybe uh, from your point of view, in terms of why do people need a career coach? Do you have some 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 um, advice for people or some some ideas around that? Yeah, yeah. and I, I think the first point that comes to my mind comes right out of my athletic coaching background. To tap into that one more time, is 
when you look at something like the Olympic Games, right, where you are dealing with the best performers in the world in a variety of sports, the very best in the world, they all have coaches. They all have people who have been with them. And in many cases, right, we're talking about Olympic Games preparation four to eight years or more sometimes, depending Mm -hmm. on how early in your life you started on that journey. And those people have been working with coaches. You know, that's that's how they've gotten there. They wouldn't have been there without that coach because the rest of the competition has that kind of a figure in their life. I think that's one thing that you can draw a parallel to is if you if you see the world as a very competitive place and it's like, how do I find my edge and how do I come out and stand out from the crowd? Well, that's that's one part of it because doing the thing that other people aren't doing is by definition standing out. Um, so that, that's one really big way. I think that other part is just, there's, there's so many emotional moments in our lives and in our Mm. careers that can be difficult to navigate. Uh, you get laid off, you realize one day that this is not what I want to do. And you decide I'd like to quit, but I don't know what I'm going to, or I've been stuck in this job. I don't know how to ask for a raise. I don't know how to get promoted. All of those situations, it's okay to ask for help and realize that Sometimes, yes, you just need a little bit of help and seeing the things that you weren't seeing before in order to get to that new place. And at that point, you might not need a coach for a little while, and that's okay. Um, but so a couple of different perspectives there. But I really believe that we're just we're built to automatically have holes, voids in our, our lives, blind spots in our world. And we need someone who's there to ensure that we are addressing those as they come. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I think that's... Uh, you know when um you talk about business culture as well right so i think in, in a lot of areas there's something new you want to embark on or some changes you want to make right so so probably uh i personally feel the best way is to 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 engage a coach that will give you um uh, a lot of guidance of uh, kind of creating that kind of partnership so so that you move your journey along forward right so so that's mm-hmm. uh totally totally um on point that's thank you so much mike for sharing with us on this and uh uh i i know you have been uh working as a coach for uh, several years right so uh maybe you know you can share with other audiences uh, potentially if they want to work with you uh how they can reach out to you or you know any particular areas you any messages you want to share with them yeah yeah sure yeah. i think if someone wanted to dig into me a little bit more get a hold of me they should go to my website, which is coachwazo.com, O-I-S-E-A-U.com. That's a bit of a play on French, which is the other language I speak. So Wazo is bird, my last name, coachwazo.com. Um, and you can get a sense of the kind of work that I do. You can hear me speak every Wednesday morning, uh, certainly if you're in the Eastern time zone, uh, at the Career Builders podcast. So careerbuilderspodcast.com, all one word. Um, I host co-host that show with a great uh, other co-host, uh, other career coach who's based in Toronto. And uh, those are great ways that people can get a hold of me and figure out what I'm doing and go from there. Cool. I'll put the link of uh, your website there so people can, can follow through. Cool. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you for sharing. Uh, and uh, great having you here. Yeah, I hope to speak to you again sometime soon. Thanks, Daniel. It was a pleasure. All the best. Thank you. All the best. That's a wrap for this episode of the podcast, A Mindful Career. I'd like to thank you for listening, and I hope you will continue joining me for future episodes. 
Be sure to subscribe at Spotify or wherever you like to listen to my podcast. A mindful career. Follow me on LinkedIn, Daniel Y K N G, and you can see the upcoming events I will organize. See you there.